Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. Our scripture reading today is taken from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15, the verses 1 through 11. Let us hear the word of God. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time." For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed." This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. The text for the sermon today is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul writes, He, that is Jesus, was seen by Cephas. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his Holy Word to our hearts. Dear friends, Jesus appeared no less than five times on the day that he rose from the dead. The first time was to Mary Magdalene in the garden. The second time was to the women as they made their way to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that the tomb of Jesus was empty. The third time was to the apostle Peter. Fourth time was to the two men on the way to Emmaus. And the fifth time was to the disciples without Thomas present. Now, of all of these appearances, the one we know least about is the appearance of Jesus to Peter. Nothing about his appearance is recorded in any of the Gospels or in any New Testament writing. It's mentioned only in two places in the New Testament. The first is Luke 24, verses 33 and 34. There we read that after the two men from Emmaus arrived in Jerusalem, to tell the disciples that they had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. Upon entering the room where the disciples were gathered, the disciples greeted them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon, which is another name for Peter. The second reference to this meeting occurs here in our text, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul sets out to prove the doctrine of the resurrection. And he begins by reminding the Corinthians that Christ rose from the dead according to the scriptures, and that he was also seen by many witnesses. And the first witness that he mentions is Cephas, or Peter, 
Jesus appeared to Peter. Why is that? And what can we learn from this? These are some of the questions we want to consider in the sermon today. And the theme for the sermon is the risen Christ appears to Peter. And we'll consider, first of all, the reason for this appearance, and secondly, the impact of this appearance. So the first question we want to consider this morning is, why did Jesus appear to Peter? Why not to any of the other disciples? Why did Jesus appear specifically to Peter? Let me suggest two reasons for this. First of all, Jesus appeared to Peter because Peter was one of the chief apostles. He was one of the inner circle along with James and John. And as such, Peter saw and heard things that none of the other disciples saw and heard. He was present along with James and John at the healing of the daughter of Jairus. He was also present at the transfiguration of our Lord and in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus was betrayed. He, along with James and John and Andrew, asked Jesus to tell them the signs of his coming. He and John were commissioned by the Lord Jesus to prepare the Passover. What is more, Peter was also their chief spokesman. Whenever Jesus asked the disciples a question, often it was Peter who was the first to answer. Conversely, whenever the disciples wanted to ask Jesus a question, Peter was usually delegated to speak on their behalf. Point is, Peter was a leader among the disciples, and as such, it was only fitting that Jesus should meet with him alone. But there is another and perhaps more important reason why Jesus appeared to Peter. And this also explains why he did not appear to James and John, who were also leaders, or to any of the other disciples one-on-one. It is because Peter had denied the Lord. Now we read of that in the Gospels. There we read that after Jesus was arrested, he was brought to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, And there he was put on trial. During the trial, Peter waited in the courtyard, and he was warming himself by the fire. And as he waited, he was approached by several people who claimed that he too was one of Jesus' disciples. And each time, Peter denied it, the last time with cursing and swearing. And what made this sin even worse was the fact that earlier that same evening, He had said he would never do such a thing. You may remember after Jesus and the disciples had celebrated the Passover feast, that Jesus said to his disciples, All of you will be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee." And hearing this, Peter said to Jesus, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. By that statement, Peter virtually declared that he was better than all of the other disciples. They might be offended because of him, but Peter would never be offended, for he was too loyal, too devoted. He loved the Lord too much than to be offended in him, or at least so he thought. 
Well, in response to this, Jesus told Peter that that night before the rooster crowed, he would deny him three times. But Peter denied it. He said, though I should die with thee, he said, yet will I not deny thee. And yet Peter, later that same night, did everything that Jesus said he would do. Peter denied the Lord. Not once, not twice, but three times in a row. And Jesus knew this. And he also knew that after denying him for the third time and hearing the rooster crow, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter was broken on account of his sin. Although the Bible doesn't tell us what Peter did after he went out, it's certain that he repented of his sin before God and asked for and also received forgiveness. And now, three days later, Jesus had risen from the dead. And one of his first priorities was to go and see Peter. In fact, in Mark 16, verse 7, the angel said to the women at the tomb, Go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. You'll notice here how the angel singled out Peter. And since angels only speak what they're commanded to speak, we can take this as a message directly from our Lord. Jesus especially wanted to see Peter. Why? Not to rebuke him, but to assure him that his sins, though great, had been forgiven, and to restore him to fellowship and communion with him. And we see here something of the great love and compassion and long-suffering of our Lord, don't we? The Lord Jesus did not have to meet with Peter. In fact, in light of his denial, our Lord would have been perfectly and utterly just to reject him and cast him aside, but he doesn't do that. Instead, he comes to him in peace and with a desire for reconciliation. He comes to build the walls of Zion, to seek her wandering sons, to bind their wounds and comfort the brokenhearted ones. And the Lord is still the same today. Dear friends, still today the Lord desires peace and reconciliation. Yes, even with those who have and continue to sin against him. Now to be sure, God is provoked to anger on account of our sin. But he has poured that anger out upon his only begotten son when he died on the cross. And that means that if we, like Peter, truly repent... And if we look to the sacrifice of Christ as the only hope and ground of our salvation, God will forgive and cleanse and restore no matter who we are or what we have done. Isn't that wonderful news? Let me ask you, have you done this? If you have, will you do so again and again and again? The Lord is willing to restore us to himself. That's why he met with Peter alone. And he's willing to do the same for you as well, if you ask him. And so Jesus appeared to Peter. Although we don't know anything that transpired during that meeting, we know it had a great impact. And that brings us to our second point. Although we have no idea what transacted between Jesus and Peter during this appearance, we do know that it had a great impact on him. And we know that because Peter was a different man after his meeting with Jesus than he was before. 
And that shouldn't surprise us, really. For anyone who comes to know the Lord will be changed by him. In fact, this is one of the ways we may know if we have come to know the Lord, if we are changed. Well, how did Jesus' meeting with Peter change him? Well, let me suggest several ways. First of all, it deepened his love for Jesus. You may remember how soon after Jesus appeared to the disciples in Jerusalem that Peter and the other disciples went to Galilee as they had been instructed by our Lord. And there they waited for the Lord Jesus to appear to them again. And after they had been there for some time, Peter, perhaps tired of waiting, declared that he was going fishing. And the other disciples went with him. John tells us that they fished all night long but caught nothing. Well, the next morning, a man appeared on the shore, and it was Jesus, although the disciples did not recognize him. And the man called to the disciples in the boat, since they were not far from shore, and he asked them if they had caught anything. And when they told him they had not, he commanded them to cast their net on the right side of the ship, and they would catch plenty. And they did. And in an instant, their net was filled with so many fish that they feared it might break. Well, as they were busy hauling in the net, John told Peter that it was the Lord. And upon hearing this, Peter wrapped his fisher's coat around him, for he had removed it, and he jumped into the water and waded to the shore, leaving the others to haul in the net of fish. Now, this account raises two questions. First of all, why did Peter jump into the water? especially since the other disciples were laboring to bring in that net full of fish. Well, the simple reason is because he couldn't wait to see Jesus. He had not seen him since he had appeared to him in Jerusalem, but now Jesus was on the shore, and Peter just had to see him. The second question that this raises is, why did he put on his fisher's coat? Would it not have been easier for Peter to swim or to wade to shore without the encumbrance of a heavy fisher's coat about him? Well, that's true, of course, but Peter was wearing only his undergarments. And it's likely that Peter felt that to appear before his Lord dressed only in his undergarments was inappropriate. Peter wanted to be properly dressed before appearing before the Lord Jesus Christ, and so he put on his fisher's coat now, as an aside, this is one of the reasons why we should come to church dressed properly. And by properly, I mean wearing clothes that we would wear if we had an audience with the king or the queen. When we come to church, we have an audience not just with any earthly king, but with the king of kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And our clothes should reflect that. And for many years, that was the case in the church. But for whatever reason, we've lost sight of that, and now people come to church dressed in any, other any, any kind of clothing that they choose. Something's wrong with that picture. Our clothing is a reflection of what we think of God. So when we come together for worship, let our clothing be an expression of our love and reverence for the Lord. Well, the point is, Peter loved Jesus and revered him. Now, to be sure, Peter had always loved Jesus, but now he loved him even more, so much so, that nothing could stop him from getting out of the boat to see him and to pay homage and respect. Oh, my friends, what about you today? Do you also love Jesus like Peter did? 
One day, Jesus was eating in the home of a certain Pharisee. Ironically, his name was also Simon. And while he was there, a woman who was a sinner came up behind him and fell at his feet, weeping. She drenched his feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair. Then she opened an alabaster box and anointed his feet with ointment. And when Simon saw this, he thought to himself, if Jesus was a real prophet, he would know that this woman was a sinner, and he would never have allowed her to come near him, let alone wipe his feet with her hair. And Jesus, knowing Simon's thoughts, told the following parable. He said, there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. And then Jesus turned to Simon and said, Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, You have rightly judged. And then he said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And we see the same thing played out here in our text, don't we? Peter had been forgiven much, therefore he also loved much. My friend, is that true of you today? Do you also love Jesus with great love? If you do not, it's probably because you know very little about your sin. Those who know little about their sin love little. Those who know most love most. Secondly, Jesus' appearance had a sanctifying effect on Peter. Before Jesus' appearance to Peter, Peter was rash and presumptuous. In Matthew 16, verses 21 and 22, after Jesus finished telling his disciples that he had to go up to Jerusalem and that there he would suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and he said, Far be it from thee, Lord, this shall not happen to thee. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things of God, but the things of men. And then in John chapter 13, we have the record of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And when it was Peter's turn to have his feet washed, Peter drew back and he said to Jesus, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And when Jesus told him that if he did, that, that if he did not wash his feet, he could have no part with him. Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Later that night, when Jesus told his disciples that all of them would be made to stumble because of him that night, Peter denied it, as we saw earlier, and said, even if all are made to stumble because of thee, I will never be made to stumble. And in response, Jesus told Peter that before the rooster crowed, he will deny him three times, but Peter was insistent and said, even if I have to die with thee, I will not deny thee. 
And then when Peter was being arrested, Peter drew his when Jesus rather was being arrested, Peter drew his sword and he cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, even though Jesus had told Peter that these things had to happen. Oh, do you see how rash and how presumptuous Peter was? He also lacked humility. He thought more highly of himself than he ought to have thought. But after Jesus appeared to him, he was a changed man. The rashness, the presumptuousness, the self-reliance and the lack of humility was gone, or at least it had been substantially subdued. Peter became more humble, more compassionate. How do we know that? Well, just read his epistles. Throughout his epistles, Peter makes statements that illustrate this humility and compassion. For example, 1 Peter 1 verse 5, Peter writes that his readers are kept not by their own power, but by the power of God through faith. He gives all the glory to God. In 1 Peter 2, 19 and 20, he writes that it is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. First Peter 3 verse 4, he exhorts women to adopt a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. And a few verses later, same chapter, verses 8 through 11, he exhorts his readers to be of one mind, having compassion for one another, to love as brothers, be tender-hearted, he says, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. In chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, he exhorts younger men to submit themselves to their elders, to be submissive to one another, to be clothed with humility. For he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, he urges his readers to add to their, vir- to their faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Evidently a change had come over Peter. He was a different man. How do we explain this? Well, it's certainly the work of the Holy Spirit. Peter wrote these words after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the day of Pentecost. On that day, the Holy Spirit took up his abode in Peter, causing him to forsake sin and conforming him more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. But is not part of the explanation for Peter's change his encounter with Jesus? When Jesus met Peter the day he rose from the dead, Peter learned something that he did not know before. He learned what true compassion was. He learned what it meant to forgive, to be gentle, to be humble, to be gracious. And rightly so, for he had had the best teacher. For the Lord Jesus displayed all of these characteristics and more by meeting with Peter, and Peter never forgot it. It left a deep impression on him. Peter would never be the same man again. Now, to be sure, Peter was still Peter. He was still as bold as ever. It was Peter who, after our Lord's ascension, stood up and urged the disciples to find a replacement for Judas. It was Peter who, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the day of Pentecost, stood up and preached a sermon, defending what had happened on the basis of Scripture and urging the Jews to repent and believe and accusing them of crucifying the Lord. It was Peter who defended his healing of the lame man before the Sanhedrin. 
And who, when he was forbidden to preach in the name of Jesus, told them that he had to obey God rather than man? It was Peter who went to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, and preached to him and baptized his household. It was Peter who advocated preaching the gospel to the Gentiles at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. It was Peter who first embraced Paul as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter was still Peter. He was still bold. He was still courageous for the gospel. He was still a leader among the disciples, but the rashness and the presumptuousness was gone. Peter was a changed man. He became more like Christ. And so this appearance of Jesus had a transforming effect on Peter. But what about you? What about me? Has it also had a transforming effect on us? Maybe you say, well, I've never seen the Lord Jesus. Jesus never appeared to me like he did to Peter. And that's true, of course. But you have read about him in the word of God, haven't you? And you have heard him preached also today, haven't you? And in some ways, that is even more powerful than a personal appearance. Peter himself said so. In 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter recalls the time that he and James and John saw Christ transfigured before them and a voice calling out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. But as wonderful as that was, the testimony of the word of God is even greater. Peter himself says so. He says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. So do you see what Peter is saying? He's saying that the sight of Christ being transfigured before them on the mountain that night and the voice that they heard from heaven was amazing. But it's nothing compared to the word of God. It is an even more sure word of prophecy than anything else we can see or hear. And since that is the case, what impact has Christ in his word had on you? Have you been transformed? Are you being transformed by the risen Christ? Oh, may God grant that, like Peter, we too, as a result of our encounter with the risen Christ, may become more and more like him. Until that day, that we shall be like him in every way. For then we who are in Christ shall be transformed. Our sinful nature, which causes us such grief in this life, will be eradicated once and for all, and we shall be like him. And we shall live and praise his name forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy to be able to preach to you the word of God every Sunday on this station. And if you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Please consider writing a short note expressing your thoughts about our program. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X. 2M9. Or you can email us at banneroftruth at frcna.org. And please indicate the call letters of this station. If you take the time to write to us, we'll gladly send you, free of charge, a wonderful booklet entitled Faith of Our Fathers. In this booklet, Pastor Neil Prunk, the former radio pastor of this program, 
explains the so-called doctrines of grace, otherwise known as the five points of Calvinism. And we hope it may be a rich blessing to you. Please note that we do not send out CDs of our radio messages. If you would like to listen to the message you've just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed on your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.